everything seems to be rising. Have y'all noticed that? Yeah, lumber has skyrocketed. The price of of gas is up because the the price of oil is up. And oil fluctuates from day to day. But I want to tell you something about that value. Uh, It will fluctuate day to day. But the value of Jesus and the worth of Jesus stays the same. It's not dependent upon demand. It's not depending upon supply. But what fluctuates is not Jesus' worth or his value, but our appreciation and our recognition of who Jesus really is. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about that. And here's some questions that, that I want you to ask yourself is how much value do you place on Jesus? Or what is Jesus worth to you? And if Jesus is who he says he is to you, how do you show him And how do you show others the value that you place on Jesus? Now, I'm going to show you three people in the Bible. And each one of them put different values on knowing Jesus. And that's Peter. And that's Mary. And Judas. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 13 through 26. Now, after many miracles... The disciples are still wondering, is Jesus really who he says he is? They're still questioning, is he really the Messiah? But one disciple, Peter, he begins to understand the truth. He's able to see what the other disciples have not yet been able to see. I'm going to start reading in 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will never overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed. And then on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. But merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? At some time in this life or the next, that we'll all answer this question. 
It's the ultimate inescapable question for humanity. And how we answer this question will determine two things. One, it'll put our life in perspective. And how we answer it will order our priorities in life. And that is, who is Jesus? And what is his worth? Now, I want to tell you this morning, we're living in the, this century where, God, there's so many worship songs and teachings about our significance and our value to the point that, I'll be honest, for me personally, it's beginning to get a little bit nauseating because there's so much focus on us and how much God values us and how much God loves us. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But I think the question that we have to ask and the world wants to know is what significance or what value do we place on knowing Jesus? What is Jesus' worth? Now, in this scripture, Jesus begins to, to tell Peter a couple things. He tells him not only the cost of following him, but he begins to, to tell him about the value of knowing and belonging to Jesus. And he said, listen, nothing on this earth or in heaven above compares to me. Absolutely nothing. Nothing has greater value than Jesus himself. When I begin to look at this scripture in 15, he asked this question, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You see, God revealed this truth to Peter of who Jesus really was. He allowed Peter to understand that he was the Messiah. That's who he was. You see, there's a difference between simply hearing a truth and then having the Father reveal a truth to you from heaven. Peter said, listen, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. God allowed him to see the value. Then Jesus says, and you, you are Peter. Now, if you know anything about Greek, this word in the Bible was actually petros. And it means a small pebble that's easily moved. He tells Peter this. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock that I'll build my church. On this rock. Now he's not saying that Peter is the rock. And he's going to build his church upon Peter. That's what the Catholics believe. But what he's really saying is that Jesus is going to build his church upon the foundational rock of revelation. That when you realize who I am, you will absolutely understand when I'm revealed to you. That you will see that nothing compares to me. Because I am priceless. I'm priceless. He was one of the few early on that really saw Jesus for who he was, what his value was. I want to show you someone else in the Bible. We're going to spend some time in this scripture. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to hang out here for a little bit. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And again, you'll see in the next story that Mary, the sister of Lazarus, 
She also came to see the true value of Jesus. Now long before in this book of John, the Apostle John begins building the case of the value of Jesus. That he is who he says he is. That that he's worthy of worship. And in chapter 11, we hear the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But in chapter 12, Jesus is once again, he's back with the family. And there's this dinner taking place. And this family is showing their appreciation for Jesus. And they're giving him this dinner in his honor for everything that he had done. I want to refresh your memory with this story. It says six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. But because he was a thief, as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. Jesus said this, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had had raised from the dead. And so the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to see Jesus and began believing in him. Now John begins telling this story of this very special dinner that was taking place. It wasn't like Jesus just dropped by and they said, Oh, look, Jesus is here. Let's eat. No, this family took the time to plan this meal, to show Jesus how much they loved him, how much they valued him for raising Lazarus from the dead. I want you to picture this place and this room where this begins to take place. Now, this room is filled with family and it's filled with guests. And they're not mourning tonight, but they're celebrating. They're no longer mourning. Here is Lazarus. He's fresh from the grave. He's reclining at the table right beside Jesus. Martha, she's the busybody. She's, she's running around making sure the meal is prepared and everything is, is just perfect. Days earlier, this room, these people were confronted with the stench of a decaying body. But not this evening. Not this evening. They're, they're confronted with this smell of this beautiful Perfume. Each one of these people in this family shows their value and their love for Jesus in different ways. Martha, again, she's showing her value and her love for Jesus by preparing this great meal. It's her gift of serving. Lazarus, he shows his value of Jesus and his appreciation. He's right there with him. He's spending time with Jesus. Mary. Now, she shows her love and her value of Jesus 
by giving. She gives this over-the-top extravagant gift of love to Jesus. And so she pours out this very expensive perfume. She pours it out on his feet and she begins wiping his feet with her hair. You know, if someone poured out oil on us today, we'd probably freak out, wouldn't we? We probably would. You know, after all, we have hot showers and body wash and cologne and all those things. But back in that day, that wasn't true. They didn't have those luxuries that we have. Times in the Middle East were a lot simpler back then. And so when a person would would enter a house, oftentimes there would be this basin of water. And oftentimes it was used that they would take a little bit of pure nard and they, they would mix it with the water. And a person could come in and, and they could wash their feet and maybe wash their, their, their face and maybe their hands. And it would give this freshened up smell to the whole room. Now, Mary comes into this room. She finds Jesus and she pours out this entire pint of this expensive perfume. Because she wants Jesus to know just how much she loves him, how much she values him, how much she appreciates him. Because she realizes, like Peter, she comes to understand that that he is absolutely the anointed one. She recognizes that Jesus is who he says that he is. Now it's important that when we look at the Bible, that we understand some history of some things. Because there was some really cool significance to this oil. It says that it was six days prior to the Passover. Now, six days prior to the Passover, it was a time of inspection. It was a time when the animals that were going to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of their sin, could be looked over really closely. The sacrificial animals, when they were brought, oftentimes traveled along a lot of uh, dangerous and treacherous roads. And many times that their feet of the lambs would become hurt. Their ankles and their legs could be damaged from the long journey. And this oil, I want you to listen and think. This oil was often used to heal any of the wounds that the animals incurred from this treacherous journey. See, Mary understood that Jesus was the Passover lamb. The Lord had revealed it to her. She too come to understand that what Jesus was doing and what he was about to do was absolutely priceless as well. And so in appreciation for her raising her brother from the dead, there was nothing that Mary was willing to hold back. Nothing was too costly. Not even looking silly. Not even looking foolish by pouring out this pure nard. You see, many times many of us are more concerned with what other people think of us than what Jesus thinks of us. Isn't that true? You see, Jesus suddenly didn't become more powerful that day when she put that oil on him. Jesus suddenly didn't become more worthy of worship that day. Jesus suddenly didn't become more valuable that day. He didn't. Not that day. You see, Jesus' value doesn't fluctuate. 
whether we feel like we need him or not. And his value doesn't fluctuate depending on whether we experience him this week as much as we did last week or in the same way. And sometimes I think that we're spiritually bipolar at church. One week we'll think Jesus is worthy and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And next week we don't come. I ain't feeling it this week. But his value doesn't change. Jesus' value doesn't fluctuate. Whether he's doing the things in our life, whether we like it or not. His value doesn't fluctuate. Jesus' value didn't change that day by what Mary did. By putting that nard on him. Mary just simply recognized and responded accordingly to the worth and the value of Jesus. Now oftentimes in the story, there's the rest of the story. And there's another person in this story who who values Jesus, but in in a different way. And that's Judas. You know, many times other things can get in the way of us truly seeing and having the truth of Jesus, his value and his worth revealed to us. Such is the case of Judas. In this particular place, it says that one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was led to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. You know, I believe there's Judases in every church. And I don't mean the type that, that betrayed Jesus. But the type of Judas who never truly sees and appreciates the value of Jesus. They never truly recognize the value of who he is. And even though he looked like a disciple, he talked like a disciple. He acted like a disciple in in many ways. His heart really was far from Jesus. His gripe was the cost of this oil. Now it says here that this oil was a denarius or a day's wage. And it says it was worth 300 days of wages. So let's do the math because I want you to kind of put it in perspective of what she poured out. If minimum wage today is what, seven twenty-five, that equals about eight times eight is $58 a day. Times 300 days, that comes out to $17,500 worth of oil. So this was just no small thing that she was doing. It was almost a year's wage. You know, Jesus knew and was never a lover of money. And I think that's why he put Judas in charge of the treasurer. Because he must have known the value of a dollar. He must have known, right? After all, I mean, there was a tax collector. I think he probably knew a little bit about money too. But Judas was put in charge. And it seems like he, like us in many ways... We know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. We know the cost of everything, but the value of nothing. And I think many times that the true value of Jesus can be hidden from us. Like I think it was hidden from from Judas. Because we've let other things in our life put a higher value. We've placed higher values on things that give us pleasure. Instead of the things that give Jesus pleasure. See, I think sometimes we can be like Judas, not a betrayer, 
Not so much a betrayer, but what he did, he was so busy living for himself that he didn't see the true value of following Jesus. See, we can be so busy pursuing our personal agenda, protecting our time. And we can be busy with our sin, just like Judas, that we never see Jesus' value. That it can be hidden from us because we're over here doing other things. I think many times that we see Jesus as our personal genie. You know, we only see his value when we need something from him. You know, Lord, just give me that job that I need. Lord, get me out of this mess that I made. Save my marriage. Lord, just save my marriage. You know, I, sometimes I wonder, do we think that Jesus is only worth it? Depending on what he's doing for us at the moment. You know, I think but many times our hearts secretly reveal what we value the most. See, we want to measure what we willingly give up for Jesus. And many times they're small things. They're, they're frivolous things. And we want to say, well, this is an indicator of my devotion. But I believe that many times Jesus would ask us and measure our devotion by what we're willing to hold on to. What we're willing to keep. What we hold back from him. You know, I imagine that, that Judas heard every sermon Jesus probably ever preached. Saw him walk on water, cast out demons, raise the dead. But he never fully committed himself to Jesus. He was only willing to go just so far. The result was he never became this witness, this unspeakable witness for Jesus. I don't think he ever really saw the true value of following him. And here's what I know. That, that your desire to witness grows in direct proportion to how much you love and you value Jesus. That's what makes us want to follow through with the Great Commission. We have to see the value and we have to understand the worth of Jesus. Or we'll never share it with a lost world. You can't give away what you don't have. Here's what I know that we commit ourselves, I do anyway, to the things that I really value. And when we find something of great value, like Peter, man, we want to tell the world. When we finally understand the true worth of Jesus, we want to tell everybody. You know, when I met Terry, I told everybody. I understood what she was. She was the right one for me. And I loved There was nothing that I was willing to hold back from her because I loved her. I valued her. And so the question I want to ask you this morning, actually several questions, is listen, will you be like Peter? Will you be bold enough to tell other people the value and the worth that you found in Jesus? Will you be like Lazarus? Will you spend time with Jesus, snuggling up close to him? And will you be willing to tell everyone what a good, good father that he really is? Or will you be like Mary? You'll risk looking foolish. You'll pour your life out for Jesus, holding absolutely nothing back because you love him and you appreciate him and you want everyone else to know what you found. Will you be like Judas? You'll be more 
concerned with your reputation. You're more concerned with your time chasing the things of the world. And you see those things as more valuable than knowing Jesus. Never fully committing, never sharing with the world Jesus. You have to ask yourself this question. Lord, do I love you enough to share you? Do I value you, Lord Jesus? Are you important enough to me that I want to tell the lost world that's dying and headed to darkness, that don't know you, that there's hope, that there's love, that there's forgiveness of sin, that there's redemption, there's there's righting of wrongs. There's this thing of, of being dead and coming to life. Is he worth it to you? Do you value him enough to do that? We all should say what? We should all say yes. We should all appreciate the value of what Jesus has done in our life. And I think that we should express it. We have an opportunity. So I want to encourage you that as you go about your day, that you would share with people the value that you found in Jesus. What is he worth to you? Just simply tell them what he's done in your life. Tell him how good God is, how forgiving and trustworthy that he is who he says he is. And you'll see that other people will will come to know the Jesus that you know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that you and your value doesn't change from day to day. Lord, help us to, to see you and recognize your worth every day because you're worthy, Lord. And so, God, help us to take this great commission that we would take it to the world. Lord, that we would share with them the treasure that we found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.